Welcome to Before It Breaks, a home maintenance repair podcast where we provide expert advice and tips on how to keep your home in top shape. From fixing leaky faucets to patching drywall and everything in between, our knowledgeable hosts will guide you through the process of DIY home repairs. We'll also cover preventative maintenance to help you avoid costly repairs down the road. So whether you're a seasoned DIYer or a novice homeowner, join us for practical advice and solutions to keep your home running smoothly. Well, today we are joined by Jennifer. How are you, Jennifer? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing great over here. We're doing great. Um, so this show, um, we help homeowners on um, fixing it themselves, how to find a way to fix it, how to call someone to fix it, who to call, anything and everything dealing with a home. But I hear you've got a story that just kind of takes the cake and and uh was kind of a nightmare and headache it was yeah i'm really grateful everything um has a positive ending but it did get a little crazy for a moment there um i'm not one to shy away from big projects so um it I, i took on a pretty big project when i bought my current home it was um, it was in the hands of a flipper who decided that it was a big project for them, uh, for themselves and wanted to just get out of it. So I took it on. Um, and again, it was, I knew it was going to be a big project. It's a two family. Um, I'm located in Massachusetts. And when I bought it, it was already demoed down to the studs, um, they had put new windows and new heating systems in, but everything else had to be done. Um, and, and I took the project on, I was excited. Um, I've done renovations in the past, so I'm a pretty handy person, so to speak. Um, but I did have um, a renovation loan, so I wasn't going to do the work myself. I was going to hire a contractor. Right. Now your job isn't a contractor. You're not a professional handyman type that you're just a an advanced DIYer, right? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, you nailed it. I love um, DIY projects. I do them all the time. I'm like a creative soul and it, it's just something that it keeps me going. Um, and I have a decent amount of like know-how to get some things done. Right. Well, and with the internet, if you're, if you're remotely handy with the internet, most things could be found and figured out. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, and this is a, a, a two family, a, a duplex, right? Yeah. Yep. It's a duplex. Um, again, I'm, I'm in Massachusetts. They're pretty common up in the Northeast. Um, the first unit, the first floor is the uh, apartment. It's a two bedroom, one bath, um, about a little under 1300 square feet. And then the second unit, which is considered the owner's unit is the second and third floor. And it's, um, uh, very similar layout each floor. So it comes out to about 2,500 square feet for the second unit, oh, wow. the owner's yeah. unit. So it's a pretty big place, um, built in the 1920s, um, I don't think it has a official historic designation, but the area that I live in in general is um, pretty historic. It's actually called the city of homes and we have lots of beautiful old Victorians. Um, 
So I was excited to take on this project. Oh, I bet. I've, I've been in cities like that where you're just kind of, you know, mosing around town, this and that. And then, then you come across this amazing street or whole neighborhood yeah. where all the houses look the same and they're all brick and quaint. And I, I just... I adore it. Uh, we're here in Montana and, and we've got beautiful scenery here and it's gorgeous, but it's not near as historic as the East Coast. Um, speaking of historic, how does your DIY projects in your home differ on a historic home versus a, say, a modern stick built? I mean, you know, I, I realize some of the framing is different. Lumber is different. Codes are different. You need to bring it up to code. Yeah. How does that all work? Well, that, that played into um, my renovation nightmare somewhat <laughs> because um, when you take a uh, thing, when you start a renovation project, especially when you demo and you take things out in a historic home, you are then required to bring it all up to code and things were not built to code, um, you know, in the 1900s. So the insulation, there's no vapor barriers, um, the the studs themselves are literally different shapes. Um, and those are all things that when the city sees you open up those walls, they say, hey, you have to bring it up to code now. Right. So, um, so it, it, it is definitely something that has to be taken, is technically you're supposed to take it into consideration. I think that the inspectors usually give you some wiggle room and give you some play and they don't hold you to the fire, so to speak on every little detail, but um, you are technically required to bring it all up to code. Um, and, and that did come into play when we get further into my story, uh, it'll come up again. <laughs> all right. So, so you got this home, you're, you want to live upstairs and the whole downstairs, the, uh, the, the non-owners, the rented part is a shambles. It's been gutted. Where did you go from there? What so the was your, first, kind of your first step? First step was refinishing the floors. Um, and I took out the kitchen. Um, I did that work myself so that I could um, immediately move in. I had a renovation loan. So there's a lot of paperwork that goes into getting the contractor signed up. They all have to submit their paperwork and all, all the red tape, right? But I wanted to move in immediately. So I just did the work myself on the first floor and was able to make it livable so that I could move in uh, without that going through my construction loan. So I, I did the floors first. Um, I removed everything from the kitchen and put um, new solid wood cabinets. I did that all myself. Um, there was no plumbing or anything that needed to be done on the first floor um, and the electric luckily had been done on the first floor so it was updated they um, the flipper that I bought it from started doing the electrical they they made it to about halfway through the second floor so luckily the the first floor was completed um, in that regard and and like I said when I bought it it had um, new windows that what that had been completed and the new heating systems had been completed well good that's that's a plus and you know for stuff like that especially just demo yeah no no permits typically are needed um you need permits when you start going back with the major stuff basically yeah. any plumbing electrical or and correct me if i'm wrong anything that you can cover up and they can't see kind of needs a permit in a sense yeah and, and i'm not sure if it's the same in every area but even demo you do need permits. I, I believe um, if you're removing trash, um, things like lead come up a lot here. So they want to make sure that yeah. um, 
you're not making, you know, an environmental mess and stuff. So um, I, I don't quote me on that one, but I, I, I do know that it is a, a concern, um, especially um, lead paint when you're demoing up here. Yeah, well, here um, we don't. You don't need a permit to demo, but you do need to to show your lead paint report and asbestos report on a building yeah. X amount of years old. Um, but what they normally do is you're going to demo. Obviously, you're going to put it back, so they just kind of incorporate it into the same uh, permit in a sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and you did hire uh, contractors to come in and help put this back together, right? Yes. Yep. So um, I hired a general contractor who acted as like, you know, the 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 go person for the entire project, um, which was mainly just the second unit, which was second floor and third floor, as well as the outside. So I did um, new vinyl siding on the outside. Um, we painted uh, the porches and and then everything else was mainly on the second unit so it was doing all the drywall uh, putting new floors in um, new bathrooms uh, kitchen uh, pretty much everything uh, the electrical everything pretty much everything it was a pretty large uh, job and they were part of my construction loan so they became um uh, contracted um, under, um, I have a NACA loan, which it, it in itself was a, a project to get through <laughs> that. Um, and then they require um, contractors who are going to do the renovations for this renovation loan. They have to sign up with them. They have to submit their paperwork. They have to have oh, wow. everything approved. They have an entire department at NACA, um, which I believe is in Texas, who reviews all of the contractor bids and they check them over for like accuracy and just make sure that there's, I would assume that they're checking to make sure that there's no fraud or anything like that going on and everything sounds correct before right. they will even approve it to begin working. And then once they approve it, the contractor can then start um, and then they can start taking draws and stuff as they make progress. Okay. Oh, so the contractor draws from the loan itself, not from you. Not from me. No, it comes uh, from the loan. Wow. That's kind of neat. I might have to uh, find a banker and inquire about that one and get some actual information on how that works. Help some so listeners if, out. <laughs> if you, um, if you've ever, have you ever heard of NACA? I have not actually. Okay. So that's, it's a really amazing program. Um, it started because Citigroup lost some lawsuit where they were found to be liable for discriminating. Um, and so this was like their restitution. They were required by law to provide um, uh, mortgages um, that are lower than the current interest rate um, at no down payment and no closing cost to areas that um, fall under like certain categories like uh, low income neighborhoods or um, historically marginalized areas. Wow. So this NACA program is a fantastic program. Anybody who may not qualify for like traditional funding can get a NACA loan um, because they don't use your credit score. You don't have to have a down payment and um, that your interest rate is lower than um, what your what the current interest going interest rate is. You also don't have any PMI. 
um, if you lose your job down the road, um, NACA will cover your payments for like an extended period of time. It's an amazing program. Wow. Yeah, I might have to look into that. That's that's kind of neat. <laughs> well, back to your story here. Sounds like everything's going good up to this point. Um, where did it kind of go sideways or did it? So um, we start, I bought the house in July. Um, the contractor officially got started, I believe, in uh, the beginning of September. And the first couple months were just pretty standard. Um, you know, they say it's going to take six to 10 weeks. And of course that turns into like two or three months, six to um, 10 months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and it was very standard, lots of like little hiccups here and there. They, um, didn't put the right tile in, or they didn't do the right, you know, pattern or, or whatever. There was just lots of little things and nothing that I would hold the contractor like to, um, you know, we had a good relationship, right? Um, and his team of guys, they were here every day. They were working hard. I, I definitely appreciated like the work that they were putting in. Eventually everything did get done. And um, I want to say that was in about January of 2020. So this was like right before everything hit the fan. So yeah. January of 2020, everything was finished. And I was just so excited and I'm ready for this final um, inspection. The city has to come in um, and improve it, approve everything before I can get my certificate of occupancy. And the, um, the contractor scheduled the inspection with the city. They came out and the, <laughs> the city inspector said, I don't know why you haven't, uh, you know better than that. I'm standing here listening to him have this conversation with the contractor, right? The general contractor. And he says, I know you know better than this. Why didn't you have me out here before this? And what happened was that was the first time that the city had come out to inspect. When we had walls open, they had permits for electrical, plumbing, everything and nobody came out to inspect inside the wall cavities, which is required before you can close up a wall. Yes. Um, none, of, none of those inspections were, were um, scheduled or completed. And the, the inspector is looking at the contractor and, and I didn't know any of this stuff at the time. So I'm like, what's happening? I can just sense that there's like some tension and I'm like, no, what's happening? Stop, what? <laughs> and, and he's looking and the contractor's looking at the city like, don't even say it, man. And the city guy is looking at him like, I'm gonna say it. And there's like, like a little standoff between them. And he's like, I'm failing this project. You have to rip it all out. And, and the guy, you know, the contractor starts kind of throwing his hands up and he's yelling and he's like, you only do this for, you know, you don't do this for the other guys and just starts to, you know, I, I understand that he was upset because this was a really disheartening um, turn of events. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, it is. Definitely. So and, and I'm like, wait what is happening here? Like what's going on? <laughs> and the city inspector pulled me aside and said, I'm sorry. I understand that this is a real, this is going to be a really hard, big hardship for you, but I have to fail this project um, because we didn't see inside the walls. Um, though all of these steps, there's like two or three different inspections that were skipped and we can't skip them. I can't approve this until I see inside the walls. You have to pull everything out and start over. 
And I just, tears just started rolling down my face. And I'm like, are actually before that, before I started crying, I thought I would, I thought like he was kidding, like, come on, what are you talking about here? Like what's, what's really real. And he's like, this is real. And I understand this is going to be very upsetting. It's going to, you know, you, this is going to be a hard thing for you, but I have to feel this. And then I just, tears just started rolling down my eyes and I'm like, what do I do? And he said, okay, so you can go down to the city, you can talk to so-and-so, they'll give you a list of things. Uh, we're gonna give you like an official list of all the steps that you have to now satisfy for us. Um, and the only other option is you can um, hire, you know, hire somebody else to, to come in and, um, I'm sorry, back up. So he, he said, I have to, I have to, he's gonna give me a list, right? right? Of all of the things that I have to satisfy and um which he did and it was a pretty long list and a lot of those things um going back to where we started the conversation earlier about historic homes they included things like um the vape the vapor barrier the right. insulation the um spacing of the um the framing and the joists and all that stuff so it was really disheartening um it got even crazier after that, though. <laughs> that was that was just like the first step, and it, and it was it was a really big pill to swallow in that moment. But immediately, I just said, "All right, what do I have to do? Just tell me, give me the list, and let's get it done." So they did, um, and then my contractor just disappeared. So he said, "I'm not doing it. I'm not coming back. I'm never stepping foot on the property again." Um, no. He just completely left, um, didn't answer my calls anymore, was just just checked out. Um, in the state of Massachusetts, there's a fund that contractors have to actually pay into every year, I think it's every year by law, um, to cover stuff like this, where if something goes wrong, if a contractor is found to be at fault for something they did on a job site or a damage that they made, um, the this fund would help homeowners um so kind of like a collective almost like an insurance policy that yes. everybody's required to pay into yep and, and that's in massachusetts so immediately wow. um the city told me about this fund and said okay yeah, that's where you're gonna have to go so i did um and it turns out it's not easy to get one of those um get funding for that like even though contractors have to pay into that um, me as a person trying to submit a claim, um, right off the bat, I have to sue the contractor. So I have to file, you know, do like official litigation against them. Um, and then I have to, the judge has to, um, like approve it or say that, you know, uh, make a judgment saying, yes, right. you, you were found to be at fault for this and you do now owe her for X, Y, Z. Um, and then after that, um, I have to pay a fee, which I believe starting right off the bat is like two or $3,000 just to open a claim. So you have to pay like an wow. application fee. So it was, I, I just said to myself, gosh, that's a long time. I mean, just to go to court would be months um, and then get the ruling and then pay an application fee. And then hopefully it will be covered. And even then, um, you know, they only cover up to so much. So I was left completely high and dry. I had to 
figure out how I was going to pay for everything to be taken out and put back in essentially. So right, right. Um, it, it, it was daunting. And I thought to myself, wow, I, I did have some money left over in my budget, um, in my um, renovation. The contractor technically didn't take his last draw. So I had a little bit of money, but I had to, the city was asking me to do everything over again. So it was, it was going to be a spendy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I put a post on Facebook, one of the real estate investing groups that I'm part of, and I just said, hey, is there anybody that can help me like figure out how to get this done? And luckily, a gentleman um, who's an architect in the area specializes in, specializes in um, code for old historic homes. And um, he said, hey, I, I might be able to help you. So this the list that the city gave me was... Um, a lot of it was related to bringing old historic um, homes up to code. And um, I gave the list to the architect who specializes in the old historic homes. And he, and I hired him to be the point person between um, the city and I, and he negotiated with the city based on some knowledge that he has about um, different paints and stuff. They have different R values and different vapor whatevers. And he was able to actually like negotiate down a lot of the items on the list for me. And that was a lifesaver. So um, we got a pretty good amount of the things um, taken down on, on this list. So that was awesome. So I have my myth on my list. I have my marching orders and I'm ready to hire another contractor. Um, so I start calling around, I have like three or four people I'm talking to, and I keep getting the same response, which is, <laughs> I won't I, touch that mess. <laughs> I will not touch that mess. So it turns out, um, you know, a lot of contractors usually all know each other or at least know the inspectors. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I had a good friend call up the inspector and sort of get the deal. Like, why are these contractors not calling me back after this job? And he calls me back and he said, you have a problem on your hands. And I go, oh God, what's, what's going on? And um, it turns out the contractor, my original contractor who left the job, um, he filed an official claim with the city saying that the city um, only failed his job because he was a minority. So this was um, something the city took really seriously. And now my job was flagged as yeah. um, this, the city said, we're not going to do this. We're going to pass it off to the state. So no longer was the city handling my project. It was the state overseeing it now. And everything was under a very fine microscope at that point. Oh, man. So, <laughs> wow. No contractor would talk to me. As, as they would talk to me, but then they would call up and get the details. And then they wouldn't talk to me anymore. So. Oh, yeah. They, they call up to say, okay, I'm going to potentially get a permit for this place to do this work. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. And then they, yeah, they're like, nope, sorry, I can't do the, can't, can't do the work. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So oh. um, I, I went through at least about four or five, nobody would touch it. And I thought to myself, 
what am I going to do? Um, my, my loan uh, was coming due. So you, with the renovation loan, you only have a certain period of time that you're allowed to do the renovations. And I had to file for an extension, you know, due to extenuating circumstances um, that I wasn't finishing the project on time, but I was getting really close and, and I was in jeopardy of the, the loan would essentially go into default if I didn't finish the renovation. So I was starting to get nervous and um, I went back to the architect guy who originally helped me negotiate, you know, the, the list, the punch list with the city. And, and I said, do you have any course for me? Like, what can I do? And he said, well, here in Massachusetts, by law, and a homeowner, um, as long as you reside in the property, you're allowed to pull your own permits. You don't technically have to have a GC or a contractor. So pull these permits. Again, he gave me the list, um, told me exactly all the things I needed to do. And, and that was all I had to do, that was all I could do. And so I had to pull the permits myself. Um, so I pulled all the permits myself and I just hired laborers and. Um, so you were basically the general contractor. You were doing most of the work and you hired some strong kids to help throw yeah. stuff around. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, it, it worked out okay. Um, and, and I actually kind of, you know, I, I feel like at, at that point, once I pulled the permits, I had laborers coming in every day again. I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Like it's, it's going to be all good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's quite a journey. Um, <clears throat> sounds like you fell right between the cracks and dropped right into a, a mess, an unknowing mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hear this a lot with homeowners, maybe not to this extent, but um, I knew a guy that had hail damage on his siding and got part of the check from the insurance company. And he's like, you know what? I'll change my own siding. Well, he didn't get the final page pay on it. He didn't get the permit uh, closed out because he wasn't a licensed contractor. And I mean, there was, it, it was a mess. It was definitely a mess. So the next guy coming behind him doing the siding is going to, yep, we're going to pull a permit, this and that. And they'll be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, <laughs> Um, so looking back at all of this, what would you have done differently? What would you suggest people do a little bit differently to help avoid something like this in, in any state that you live in? Well, um, I don't know that I could have avoided it. So, um, starting off you, I, I, I hired a general contractor and, and technically it's their job. This is, that's why you hired contractor they know right. this stuff you don't know it I don't know what the you know the inspection requirements are for plumbing or anything like that so there really isn't much I would have known um, I do now so the only way I can answer that is say well I know now that you're supposed to get four inspections <laughs> leading up to you know before you close the walls up but um, maybe I would say um, check the contractor check on the contractor, um, maybe have some milestone meetings and say, hey, have you done everything um, that's required up until this point? So, you know, we're like about a third away, a third through this project. Is everything going okay? Um, 
maybe that will help you avoid coming up with um, big surprises where the contractor just says, hey, I, I didn't do my job and now you're on the hook for it. Right. Or, or maybe you don't even know what you're doing, but you want to have these milestone meetings and the contractor thinks you know what you're doing and he will tell you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so the advice is act like, you know, fake it till you make it right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know here in Montana, when you pull a permit for uh, a project big enough to where it requires multiple inspections, um, they give you a piece of paper that you're supposed to hang on site. Um, in the house, outside, wherever you're currently working, and on there has inspection after such and such, inspection after such and such. That oh. way the inspector comes by, does the inspection, does all his paperwork, and he signs that. So when he comes again for the next inspection, he can say, we've done the initial, we've done the this, we've done the that. Oh, hey, we skipped one. It's like a checklist that you hang on site. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody, every state has something kind of like that. Yeah, we, we do have, a, um, we, we are required to hang the permit um, on the property. So I had one right on my front door. Um, I don't know that it had this inspection schedule. I, it, maybe it does. Um, I don't remember, but that's, you know, another thing that you could, um, yeah. that people could look for. <laughs> so basically, no matter where you're at, kind of just involve yourself in, yeah. in the project, um, put your foot in there and put your nose in. And, you know, um, I, I, I knew a, a lady once that uh, we were doing some work for a basement remodel and we pulled permits and this and that. And she would always come through about two, three times a day and offer us coffee and sandwiches. And the guys are like, Hey, this is cool. This is cool. No, what she was doing is Checking on you guys. She's checking on us. Absolutely. <laughs> and when the inspector was there looking around, she would bring him coffee and cookies. And I mean, she was had a reason to be there and she was checking on us. So, you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe a cup of coffee every now and again, some cookies is <laughs> yeah. keep everybody honest. Yep. I think that um, one thing that I did well looking back is I, I, I reached out for support. So I didn't know how to get through this. I literally felt at, at some points felt like there's no option. Like this is all going to implode. And I thought there's got, I, I just have to figure it out and I'm going to do whatever I can to figure it out. And so I, I you know, I did the post on Facebook and I right. found the architect and, and that one single post led me to my outcome. So it led me to him, um, you know, me hiring that architect and, and he was able to get the punch list um, down with the city. And then ultimately he was the one that told me that I could be my own GC. And then, um, you know, he gave me the, the work, the list of work that, you know, had to be done in the and all of that was from me not knowing what to do. Literally, I have no idea, like, how am I going to do this? It would be like asking you, like, hey, can you go build in, uh, you know, an F-5 fighter jet? Like, would you, you don't know. <laughs> so, don't even know what questions to ask, let alone yes, don't know. Yeah, exactly. So I posted the, the question on this Facebook group and, um, and I got an answer. So don't be afraid to ask, like ask resources. Like if I didn't get a response there, I would have been at the library. I would have been calling everybody. I know I would have been trying to figure it out. So don't be afraid to ask and look around for help. 
Oh, absolutely. In, in anything you do, but especially large projects. I mean, you know, your home is probably, for the most part, one of the most expensive purchases you're going to make. And it's a valuable, valuable, expensive investment. Be proactive. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, that's a heck of a story there. And I'm glad it turned out. Yes. <laughs> um, would you do it again? Yes. So I, I love renovation projects. Um, I often get involved um, in them. I know a lot of flippers in the area. Um, and in I myself, I since flipping or since uh, renovating this house, I've done a couple other renovation projects. Um, and I do epoxy countertops. So I did them here in the um, in my building so on each floor each kitchen I've done uh, epoxy countertops I'm sure you've probably seen them like on Pinterest or on social media and um, a lot of flippers now um, every time I had contractors come in like the plumbers would come in and do the bathroom and and they would look and be like these what is this like what are these these countertops and I'm like those are epoxy and I made them (laughs) and (laughs) and so I've done them for several other contractors on other um, projects Um, but I love doing renovation projects and I would for sure do another big one I'm I'm like shoot nothing can hold me back now. Well, <laughs> now, now you know the ins and outs of getting burned yeah. so you don't get burned, right? Yeah, I have a much thicker skin and I'm ready. Good, good. Go, Just go with yourself. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's about all the time we have. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, and you enjoy. Have a good evening. You too. That's all the time we have for today's episode. We hope you found our tips and advice helpful for maintaining and repairing your home. Remember, taking care of your home is an ongoing process. So make sure to stay proactive and address any issues as soon as they arise. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us on our website or social media channels. The links will be in the description. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here at Before It Breaks.